so much for tuning in, whether you're watching this live here on Sunday morning or if you're checking back in later this week. Um, as I said, kicking off something new today, a series called Your Word. Really excited about the new year, although not uh, super excited that you couldn't be here with me this morning. But hey, it is what it is. <laughs> Hashtag 2021, right? I think somebody said, uh, I don't know if it was a meme or something, that uh, 2020 turned 21 and started drinking. I think, I think that's where we're at uh, as we kick things off this week. But uh, it's a new year, and we're jumping in. And I actually did a Google search this week, and I simply typed in, this will change your life. That's what I searched, right? And I'm sure my uh, online buying habits and other things I search on Google probably played into what the results were. But some of the interesting results, this will change your life, the very top Response. The, the first uh, link that I could have clicked on the Google search response was an article titled, Why Multi-Level Marketing, so like pyramid schemes, Why Multi-Level Marketing and QAnon Go Hand in Hand. <laughs> now, some of you are probably thinking, what's QAnon? I'll just say, if you know, you know, right? Why, why pyramid schemes and QAnon go hand in hand? I don't want to judge anybody, but that was the first article that came up. Another one, 13 questions that will change your life. Sounds like a pretty good thing to read. How about 22 micro habits that will completely change your life in a year? Okay, pretty good investment there. Next one was, these five people will change your life for the better. I didn't read the article, so I don't know who those five people are. You can search for yourself. One of the other responses was 17 powerful books that will change your life. That's a lot of reading for some of you, 17 books. Get started. How about this one? Uh, one of the search responses was one word that will change your life. One word. I actually clicked on that one. <laughs> it's, I think it's a book. And you get to choose the word. It's not even a word that they give you. You get to pick the word. That will change your life. Greatest thing ever. How about this one? Uh, found one. I had to go to the second page of Google responses for this one, but uh, it was a book called That Cheese Plate Will Change Your Life. That Cheese Plate Will Change Your Life. And I thought to myself, you know, that's probably true, especially for anyone who's like lactose intolerant. I think that cheese plate could drastically change your life. But, uh, It'll change your life, right? How often do we see commercials and advertisements, uh, things that pop up on Facebook? This will change. It's such a common phrase, and it's overused. And I think most of the time, it turns out to be an overpromise and underdeliver type of scenario. But but here's here's why that's so successful. Why why this will change your life is successful for selling books and generating clicks and getting attention. It's very simple. People want their lives changed, right? People want to live something different, experience something different, especially in 2020, here into 2021. People want something different. And so when you throw something out there like, this will change your life, it gets people's attention. People click the buttons. People like me who are looking for, for something silly on, on Google, right? But unfortunately, when we click the button, when we buy the book, when we enter into the new venture that will supposedly change our lives, 
Most of the things we turn to, they certainly offer a quicker solution, an easier solution, maybe something bigger, maybe something better, but far too often, if not every time, those things simply offer something very temporary. They offer something very human. And it's honestly something that I saw quite a bit of in 2020. It was just a reliance on some of these resources that turned out to be maybe bigger and better, but very human, very temporary. Things that we were standing on, things that we were putting our weight on, putting our hope and our trust in, surrendering even our emotions to. We surrendered those things to every source that we could find, every blog that we could follow, every Facebook resource, every TV news personality, every modern-day prophet that somebody sent into our inbox. We put our weight on so many of those things except for the one thing that we can truly stand on, the one thing that we should truly stand on, the one thing that we should put our hope and our trust in, the one thing that we should surrender our emotions to, that one thing seemed to get left out quite a bit in 2020. And that brings us to the crux of this new series that we're jumping into starting today, and really the, the emphasis of the, the first few months of this year for our church. And, and uh, basically today, we are kicking off a church-wide challenge. I, I don't think that we've done anything like this before. I think we've done, a, uh, we've done an invite day for Easter's in the past and things like that, asking the whole church to jump in. But really, uh, this is kind of a new thing. What we're going to challenge you to do is jump into 100 days of Scripture all together as a church family, okay? First thing, why, right? Why would we do this? Well, for one, this is literally the best-selling book of all time. And beyond that, even here in the 21st century, it's the best-selling book every single year, right? It, it's it's hugely popular when it comes to book sales. It's also the most quoted book of all time. It's also the most misquoted book of all time. But more than that, the words of these pages have been used by God to change millions, maybe billions of lives over the last 2,000 years. There are things in this book that you should know about. There are things in this book that you should read about. There are things in this book that you should see for yourself. So we're jumping into these 100 days. There, there are things in this book that go beyond every book ever created. It's, it's supernatural. It has a supernatural beginning. It has a supernatural ending. It has a supernatural content all throughout, supernatural twists and turns. And it's the foundation upon which we build everything else in our faith. Jesus, the gospel, salvation, the knowledge of God's word goes hand in hand with all of those things. We can, uh, in Matthew chapter, chapter 7, um, gives another answer to why we would do something like this, this, this hundred days of scripture reading. Matthew 7, starting in verse 24, many of you will recognize this passage. It says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus talking, anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You guys, the world is a very sandy place. It doesn't offer a very firm foundation, and yet things from the world are the types of things that we've been trying to build our house on over the last year. In my opinion, maybe you've seen something different, but that's what I've seen. And I think that we as a church, we as people, we as families need a bit of a reminder coming into this new year of the only solid foundation that we should be building on, that we should be resting on. So that's, that's kind of the why of this 100 days of scripture. How about the what? What, what, what does this look like? Well, we're, we're jumping into a reading plan called the Essential 100. The Essential 100. It basically... 100 days covering the vital passages and stories and people and truths of Scripture, right? If, if, if you knock out these 100 passages of Scripture, you're going to have a really good overview of what this book is about, of what our faith is about. You're going to read about the beginning and some of the foundations of our faith way back in Genesis, Exodus, and beyond, right? And you're going you're gonna to read about Israel and how God used his people to reveal himself, how he used the story of his people to point to Jesus and really paint a picture of how God loves and interacts with his people. All that is going to be found in some of those passages that take us through the Old Testament. Then you're going to get to the New Testament. You're going to read about the New Covenant and these prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus. You're going to read about the roots of the church and the roots of our Christian faith. And then you're going to get the, and you're going to read about the end, right, and see how the end happens, and you're going to find that it looks quite a bit different than the dude on YouTube thinks, right? You, some of you have been watching those links, right? And so that's what we're going to do, 100 days, a reading plan called The Essential 100. Um, so now you're wondering, okay, how do I find this reading plan? Well, some of you are dialing it up on your phone already. What we've got are, we've got some printed versions, and if you were here today, I'd say go stop at the info center and grab one. We'll have them available. If you're really desperate for a printed copy and you can't find one, let me know. I'll email you a PDF and you can print it off. Otherwise, you can go to the Bible app, uh, otherwise known as Uversion. The Bible app has it on there. If you just go on that app and search through the plans, search for Essential 100, it'll come up there. And I think that app actually has little devotion blurbs that go along with the reading for each day as well. And if you really get desperate, if you don't have the printed copy, you don't have the Bible app, you can go to Google and just Google Bible.com Essential 100. That's how I type. Bible.com Essential 100. If you Google that, it'll show up and you can click that and find it there. Um, and so we're gonna, that's the reading plan we're going to do. I'm going to start it today. Joe's going to start it today. I'm going to make my kids start it today. Hopefully, you do the same. We want to make sure that this is a church-wide thing so that we're all taking in the same passages, processing the same thoughts, navigating the same truths over these next 100 days. And to go along with it, we're, as I said, we're doing a bit of a teaching series to go along with it. And it's going to be a little different. We're going to do this week and then next week. Uh, we're going to take a little break, like a three-week break for a different series. And then we're going to jump back into your word for a week and then take another break. And then we're going to come back and wrap it up around Palm Sunday and Easter um, just to kind of do a check-in and make sure uh, that we're hitting some of the, the key passages and reminders and, and to encourage you a little bit on the way. Um, 
But yeah, that's, that's what we're going to do. Just We want to lay that foundation going into this new year. And as we get later in the year, we'll probably do a prayer emphasis. So we're, we're setting that foundation in the Word and building on that foundation with prayer and reliance on the Holy Spirit. But I really want to challenge you. Uh, and as you, as you start diving into this reading plan, you're going to discover it's not that much, right? Some of you have done Bible in a year, maybe even Bible in 90 days if you're really aggressive. Um, this is going to be a pretty, uh, pretty easy pill to swallow when it comes to the number of verses that we're asking you to read every single day. So I hope you jump in with that. Don't worry. If you get behind by a day or two, catch up. If you're watching this a week from now and you missed the first week, go ahead and catch up. Just do a couple days at a time if you need to. We really want to do this as a church family uh, as we kick off 2021. But what I want to do this morning with, with the time I have left is just kind of highlight some of the main things that I, that I think that you'll find, that I hope that you'll find as you enter into the reading. I know I hit kind of a, a quick overview of what you're going to find in Scripture, um, but three or four things that I think will really jump out at you if you dive into this reading plan over the next 100 days with us. Uh, first thing is going to, I'm going to jump into John chapter 6, things that we're going to find in Scripture. John six sixty six. It says, from this time, many of his disciples, Jesus' disciples, turned back and no longer followed him. See, this is kind of a turning point in the Gospels where Jesus starts tightening the screws a little bit, starts turning up the intensity dial a little bit in his teaching where he's starting to notice that the crowds are growing. He's drawn some attention with the miracles. He's drawn attention with some of the things that he said, and he's becoming pretty popular in it might be weird to say this, but he's becoming popular in ways that he doesn't want, right? He's fed the 5,000, and, he, and he's challenged them. Hey, like, some of you are following me because I fed you with a miracle, right? That's not what this is about, though. And so he starts to dial up the intensity of his teaching and says some goofy things like, hey, I am the bread of life. You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want to follow me. And for the people of that time, they're, they're kind of slow in catching on to what he's talking about. And so people start saying, man, this is... This is hard teaching, and some of them start grumbling, like, the things you're asking of us are difficult. The things you're asking us to believe are a little bit goofy. And so many of them, not from the 12, but many of those other followers started bailing on this movement. So it says, from, many, from that time, many of his followers turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus turns to his 12 disciples in verse 67 and says, you don't want to leave too, do you? And I don't know how to read this. I don't know if this is Jesus uh, with a little bit of sarcasm, knowing how they would respond, or I don't know if this is Jesus maybe, maybe giving a glimpse at his humanity and maybe feeling a little insecurity. I don't know. He says, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Peter responds and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, right? Uh, Peter says, you you're the one that we've been waiting for. We've, we've all grown up hearing these prophecies and learning about the Old Testament scriptures, and you're, you're the answer, right? He continues on. He says, we, we've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter says, you bring the words of eternal life, and that's the same thing that we'll discover in scripture. We will discover salvation, salvation. 
right? And if you're newer to this Bible thing and you tune in today and you're jumping in on this Bible reading plan with us, I want you to write down or type into your phone. Uh, you're not sitting here with me, so I can't make sure that you're doing it, but please write these down. You need to find these. John 3.16, John 1.1, 1, 1, Romans 5.8, John 14.6. I know I said those fast, but that's the great thing about Facebook is you can go back later and watch this. You're going to read these verses and you're going to find out about salvation, the thing that your soul longs for, the thing that your heart and your brain search through in the quiet moments before you fall asleep at night. It's the thing that not only our soul longs for, but unfortunately, we run from in our ignorance. But what we find in the Word is both the problem, the thing that's wrong with us, right? The thing, that the reason why you say the wrong thing at the wrong time, the reason why your heart leans in the wrong direction far too often, the reason there is brokenness in your life, in many of your relationships, and in the world around you, you're going to find this, the answer to that problem in Scripture. And then you're going to find the solution, the gospel, which means good news. You're going to find out how we become, in the midst of our brokenness, how we become a new creation. You're going to find salvation in the Word. Second thing, not only are you going to discover how to become a new creation, you're going to discover in the Word how a new creation lives. How a new creation lives. Let's go 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 14. And just, you know, if you're tuning in and you're not a big churchy person, all of these verses, like all the Sunday school kids are just licking their chops over these. These are the verses they grew up learning and hearing. And so they're loving this. They're sitting at home taking notes like, yeah, this is the stuff my pastor talked about when I was a kid. These are the good stuff. So if, if, if that's not you, just know that our church people are just eating this up, right? So 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14, says, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. This is Paul writing to his young pupil, Timothy. Because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. There's that salvation word again. Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Big verse here, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for what? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, those of us who are trying to be this new creation, right? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Sometimes people get themselves to that place where they, they believe, they accepted Christ, right? But then it's like, okay, now what? Right? Am I supposed to stop doing this and start doing that? Am I supposed to give that up or is that okay? And what's acceptable, what's not? These words, if you find yourself spinning your wheels in your faith, maybe there hasn't been a lot of growth, Maybe you're still trying to figure out what it looks like to be a new creation. That's what you'll find in the Word. The same source of new life has the information to experience that new life. Right? It's like we find in James chapter 2. Faith without works, faith without living it out is dead. It's worthless on this side of eternity. But here's the thing. Obedience doesn't save you. Right? A lot of times we get into church world and we think, man, if I check these boxes and if I fix this and that, I'm good. But obedience doesn't save you. Obedience is simply 
a reflection of the work that's been done in you, the reflection of the work that's being done in you. I'm going to make the biggest duh statement in the history of this church, okay? Biggest duh statement. Someone who's been changed by God, someone who's been changed by the word, should look different from someone who hasn't been changed by God and his word, right? Duh. I hope I didn't surprise anybody with that statement. Someone who has been changed by the word should look different from someone who hasn't been changed. It's the same as every other, like, everyday life. Let's say you were putting money into lessons, golf lessons, whatever. Let's say you're putting money into your kid to be tutored. Maybe you're putting money and time into physical therapy. I think we'd all agree that someone who has experienced the power of that additional investment, right, the additional investment in their skills, the additional investment in their studies, the additional investment in their physical well-being, that person should look different and perform different or test different. Their knee should bend different from someone who hasn't experienced that additional investment, right? It's like uh, somebody come to you and say, man, I I, I was, man, I was on death's door, I, the, the widow maker went, or whatever, whatever arteries, I had open heart surgery, the doctor tore me open, fixed them up, put a stint in, whatever it is, and if that person came to you, you'd be like, oh, man, that's crazy, I'm so glad you survived. What did your, what did your doctor say about uh, changing your lifestyle? And what if that person said to you, changing my what? You want, uh, changing my life what? Right? You'd look at that person like, well... Something led to your arteries being clogged. Something led to that guy needing to saw your chest open and take a peek at your heart, right? And so, of course, the doctor is then going to give you some steps to change this and eat that and do this differently, adjust your lifestyle. You need to be healthy long-term so that this heart surgery doesn't last three minutes, right? That would be a duh moment. Somebody taking lessons, becoming better is a duh moment. Somebody getting tutored, doing better in their schoolwork is a duh moment. And that's how this works as well. Someone who has experienced faith, someone who has discovered salvation through the word of God should then be able to find how that new creation lives, how to experience a life of faith and not just the heart change that comes along with faith. The gift of faith is available and the life of faith is found right there with it in the word of God. So in the word, we discover salvation. We discover how to experience a life that's been changed by that salvation. Another thing you're going to find in the word is the next step. The next step. You're saying, Justin, the next step for what? Exactly, right? It doesn't really matter. This might be the most common conversation, the most common thought, the most common dilemma that people are faced with over the course of life. It's simply the question of, now what? What do I do now, right? What am I supposed to do about this? What do I do? Where do I go? Who do I trust? How do I handle this? What is God's will for this situation? And for that, I want to look at something that David discovered and dumped on us in the longest chapter of the Bible, Psalm 119. Listen to how David starts off this chapter. He said, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. 
Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong. They know the next step, right? They, they follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Verse 9, big one for those of you young people listening. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? How does a young person know what's next? How does a young person know what the wise choice is? By living according to your word. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. A couple pages over, another famous one, 119.105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. David fell head over heels for God's word. And time after time, he dove in and ran back to it for help with the most common, the most everyday issues of the human life. God, how do I... How do I experience a life of purity? God, how do I experience your way versus the sinful way? How do I live a life of humility versus arrogance? How do I live a life of joy versus sorrow? How do, how do I walk in obedience and how do I recover when I go astray? How do I process the past? How do I navigate the future? We so often ask that question, what's next? What do I do with this? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to say? And David says, what's next? Well, the answer is, God, your word. Your word. Now, there's not going to be a Bible verse that says, go to Eastern instead of Western. There's not going to be a Bible verse that says, uh, take this job or that job, but we can fill ourselves with the wisdom that's available and fill ourselves with the voice and the heart of God. And all of a sudden, the question of what's next becomes a little bit less scary. What's next? So you're going to discover salvation there. You're going to discover how to live like a new creation there. You're going to discover the important answers to what's next. And then the fourth one, the fourth one's for everybody. And I don't, I don't know who tuned in on a goofy morning like this. Sometimes we get random people. Joe and I will be here testing Facebook Live at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, and seven people will watch, right? So I don't know, I don't know who happened to jump on here for whatever reason. But the fourth thing that you're going to discover in Scripture, you're going to discover even if you don't care about anything related to God. Right? And the fourth thing is wisdom. You're going to discover wisdom. Let's say you don't even believe in God. Let, let's say maybe you acknowledge there's a God out there, but he, he can't be known or he's distant. He's not personal and it's not important for everyday life. Let, let's say that's where you're at. Cool. I, I would encourage you to, to dig further into that. But, but still, if you pick up this book, if you value friendship the way his word says to value friendship, if, if you love your wife the way this book says to love your wife, if you handle money the way it says to handle money, if you treat the justice system the way this book says to treat the justice system, if you interact and deal with government in the way his word says to deal with government, if you treat sex the way it says to treat sex, if you see people of different races 
and genders and socioeconomics in the way this book says to see people of different races and genders and socioeconomics. If you see sinful people in the way this book says to see sinful people, then your life is going to be far better than if you did all of those things your way instead of his way. So let's say you don't even care about God and have no use for him in your life. If you simply live the way this book encourages you to live, you're going to experience a way different life than if you just did it on your own, by your own strength and your own knowledge and your own intellect and your own wisdom. So if nothing else, I want to encourage you to grab this book for the next 100 days and experience the wisdom that comes from it. A couple things uh, as I close out, just some practical ideas when it comes to diving into scripture here in 2021. First challenge for you is this. It's not if you're going to read. Make, make sure it's not if, but when, where, and what. Not if, but when, where, and what. This idea of self-feeding and getting away with Jesus, this is essential to our walk with Christ. So, so when is it going to happen? Just come in. I'm going to do these 100 days. When is it going to happen? When are you going to sit down and read? Schedule it. At least schedule it long enough until it becomes a habit in your everyday life. Where is your spot going to be? Right? Find a spot where it's the primary spot for this activity so that when you sit in that chair, in that room, in that particular, you know that it just triggers in your brain. This is where I do my reading. What are you going to read? Now, for these 100 days, we're kind of giving you that content, like this is what we'd like you to read. But from there, you're going to read through a book of the Bible. You're going to try to do it beginning to end, cover to cover. You're going to jump into a different reading plan. Are you going to read uh, along with a devotional and maybe check in on the verses that that book gives you? Maybe, and I know that there's some of you out here who already do this, maybe when you're listening to uh, church at Fieldstone, whether you're here or online, Write down the verses and go back and read those later and dig into them at another time. I honestly don't even care, right? I just want to know that you are in this book absorbing God's word in some way. So when's it going to happen? Where's it going to happen? And what are you going to be taking in on a regular basis? Don't make it optional. Make it a plan, okay? That's the first thing. Second thing is this. I want to challenge you to commit to something more than what you're currently doing. Commit to something more than what you're currently doing. I, w- I want you to raise the bar for yourself a little bit. Are you, are you currently reading nothing out of God's Word on a regular basis? Let's go, right? Start reading something. That'll raise the bar. Are you reading a little bit, right? maybe, maybe every once in a while or uh, maybe a couple verses a day? Well, how about more? Now, this doesn't always mean more verses, this might mean adding in more supplements, right? Is there going to be a book that you read along with it? You're going to get yourself a nice NIV uh, application commentary or something to help you process. You're going to get a different Bible that has different notes. You're going to Google some of the things that you read. Right? So, so this might mean reading more, but it also might mean doing more with what you're reading, right? So, so how about a little bit? Maybe you're somebody who already reads a ton, right? You, you are absorbing God's Word in huge quantities every single day. That's fantastic. Well, for you, maybe it's more application. Maybe it's passing on what you know. Maybe it's 
uh, adding in a little bit more variety. Maybe you read from a different translation to, to get a different perspective. Maybe you allow different voices or even opposing views of some of the scriptures into your life to just kind of force you to dig a little bit, force you to wrestle with a little bit. Uh, you may come away saying, yeah, I still believe what I believe about some of the intricacies of God's word, but maybe hearing someone else's spin on things might mess with you in a healthy way. So uh, I would just want to challenge you, whatever you are currently experiencing when it comes to the word, let's take it up a notch. And maybe this 100-day reading plan can be that catalyst for you uh, over the next few weeks. I don't know. Final thing is this, and this goes to your family. And we're going to talk a little bit more about family next week and dive uh, into that in more detail. But I want to challenge you, let them, let them see you do it. Okay, maybe them is your kids, maybe them is your grandkids, maybe uh, it's friends of yours, maybe it's the general public, I don't know. Who do you influence? Whoever you influence, let them see you reading God's word. There, this, is, uh, this, is one, this is a reason why I don't read, when I'm at home reading, I don't read on my phone or a tablet, um, because that's also what I use for Instagram. <laughs> right? And so my kids, I, I could be over there just pouring over God's word, and my kids were like, Dad's on Twitter again, right? And so if you want to impact the thems in your life, those you have influence over, maybe make some adjustments if you need to. And uh, even if it's not out in the open, because I, I do my reading typically at night, uh, I'll go up to bed a few minutes before Kathy, and, and I'll do my reading uh, after everybody's pretty much in bed. And so they don't always see that, but if it's going to be in that form, maybe, maybe leave it laying around, right? Maybe bring it up from time to time. Talk about what you've been reading and initiate conversations with the thems in your life to make sure that they're having an opportunity to be impacted by this as much as you are. As you start developing a love for it, as you start developing a taste for it, make sure the people that you influence are able to develop that as well. Let them see you do it. Here's what I'm hoping. Ultimately, I'm simply hoping that you and me and our church, that we can discover a newfound passion for Scripture. At the very least, a newfound commitment to Scripture, a commitment that can and will change your life. As you dive in, maybe these 100 days, maybe they'll simply lead to a new curiosity. Maybe it'll lead to asking good questions. Maybe it'll lead to a desire for more. That's what I'm hoping. But ultimately, I'm hoping that this will help us get back to a solid foundation that we can and should stand on. Thanks, guys. Make sure you start those 100 days today. Let us know if you have trouble finding that reading plan, and we'll check in again next week and talk a little bit about the word and your family tree. Let me pray for you, and we'll get out of here. Father, we love you, and we thank you for um, uh, the record that you left, the story that you left to tell us about yourself. God, to reveal how you started this whole thing. God, to reveal how, you've, how you love your people, how you interact with your people, how you went so far as to send your son to die for your people. God, may we dive in with a new energy, a new exuberance. God, as we, as we jump in as a church, I pray that you would bind our hearts together, bind our minds together. Uh, God, our spirits as we take in these scriptures together. And may it be a launching point for so many more things for this church, 
for each family that does it. Uh, God, continue to lay that foundation, and may that be the foundation that we build our lives on, our marriages on, our families on, God, that we build this church on. Thank you for this time together. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.